Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Auburn is not a place. It is a people. The loveliest village on the plains is more than a college sports venue, more than a university filled with historic buildings, more than a quaint little southern town. Its worth lies within its people, those that call Auburn home, whether that be for a single day at a time or for a lifetime. Much like our legendary Toomer's Oak Trees, our stories are the product of a firm foundation laid in the beginning of our Auburn story. These are the stories of the Auburn family. These are their roots. War Eagle Auburn family and welcome back to Auburn Roots. This is our journey of exploring and sharing the stories of your Auburn family members. This is episode 30 and on these special episodes when we hit the 10 mark at each of those roundabout numbers, 10, 20, now 30, I like to bring in guests that are special to me. And I mean special sometimes in good ways, sometimes in bad ways, but always it usually goes back to being good ways. A lot of these people that we've been uh, talking to on these types of numbers have been related to myself or the E2C network, and that is going to be the case right here. If you are a fan of Auburn aesthetics, you are in for a treat in this episode. We are going to be talking about what makes the orange and blue so special. And there is one guy out there on all social media and has his own website that can tell you the ins and outs of every single aspect of the Auburn uniform. Yes, everything from Northwestern stripes to faded tiger stripes in uniforms as well. Most of you know who I'm talking about, but let me formally introduce to the podcast, Mr. Clint Richardson of the Auburn Uniform Database. Clint, welcome to Auburn Roots. Hi, Kyle. This <laughs> feels not, weird. It does. And I'm not sure if I'm on the good side of this intro or the bad side. Well, you but know. I'm special to you, but on a bad way, possibly. You know, uh, there, there, there are some things that I won't bring. I'm kidding. Of course, Jeez. this is good. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just, here, I'm going to use my favorite phrase that people make fun of me. I'm going to set the table for everybody here. Clint, oh, obviously, he and I have a long history. He has basically been one of those from the almost the beginning of the ETC Network. has been helping out a ton. Uh, if you love our logo, you can thank Clint Richardson. Uh, if you love a lot of the concepts that we've come up with, he's had a very important part in building all of that as well. So he has been an integral part of the ETC network. He has been an integral part in helping Auburn fans love and appreciate the aesthetics of Auburn uniforms. And we're going to talk about that in great detail, because obviously that's a big part of your story, Clint. Um, so without further ado, I guess we should just stop, you know, beating around the bush here and just get right into it because I feel like you are, and I are going to go down a couple of tangents at some point. Uh, I, I'm just going to need you to reel it in for me, buddy. I mean, that's more so you than me, but well, sure. Let's I'll take the blame if you want me to. Yeah. It's I, I tend to blame you for things. Even the more, the longer you've been away officially from like a regular basis on the podcast network, the more I tend to blame people like you. So 
<laughs> I don't know how that makes you feel. Uh, again, I think I'm on the bad side of this intro now. I think you are. All right. Well, let's start here, Clint. I like to ask everybody this first before we get into the meat and potatoes of their Auburn story. Tell me a little bit about yourself outside of Auburn. Where are you from originally? Kind of where did you grow up? All that kind of stuff. Man, I don't know if I have anything about me that is outside of Auburn, uh, except physically. I grew up in uh, Huntsville, Alabama, more so Meridianville, just north of Huntsville, just south of the Tennessee state line. And I mean, I was I was born and raised an Auburn fan. I was uh, I was called the Auburn kid in high school because I wore Auburn every single day. Um, the days I didn't wear Auburn, my classmates would freak out and wonder if I was okay, what happened. <laughs> Um, I mean, I mean, yeah, I grew up in Huntsville, uh, grew up on a golf course. Dad's a PGA golf pro. So, um, spent a lot of time on the course. Uh, we opened up a family owned golf course in, oh man, I don't know, 2000, 2001 or so. And I spent a lot of time there, uh, learned, started working there maybe when I was eight, just picking up trash in the parking lot all the way to basically running the thing. I told people at school would always ask me what I do there. And I say, I, I do just about everything, but pay the bills and teach golf <laughs> lessons. And I can still do a little bit of that too. See, I didn't know that you were that involved when you were working there. I figured you were doing the jobs that your, you know, your family needed you to do there. And, you know, I figured you had a lot of insight into the actual business, but I wasn't aware that you were that big of a big wig in the business there. I mean, <laughs> Here, I thought I mean, you were you just could, Mr. Uniform guy, but you're golf business guy. Uh, I mean, you could say that if you wanted to, but <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was, I worked every week, um, usually just two or three times a week, not a whole lot. Cause you know, still in, still in high school, still, uh, on the golf team in high school. So didn't really have a whole lot of free time to go to work. And if I wasn't working, I was practicing and, yeah. and spending time out there and, I mean, I did everything. We pitched the range, we mowed the course, we weeded, we worked inside, we cleaned. We <clears throat> every time we walked down the the driving range, have a member to say, "Hey, what's going on with my swing?" And I had to help him a little bit, and you know, just about everything. I mean, we built up a lot of uh, relationships there, and and kind of miss it. Unfortunately, we had to close it in. Gosh, was it 2015? So it's been a few years, and. Honestly, haven't even gone back to it since then. I was going to ask, how's that golf swing going for you now? Uh, swing's still not bad. Um, unfortunately, ever since I moved down to Jacksonville, Florida, I haven't gotten a chance to play a whole lot. Um, I actually did bring my clubs with me when I first moved down here, and just they barely broke out of my car. And uh, surprisingly, there's not really many practice facilities here in Jacksonville, so being able to just walk up to the driving range or the putting green or anything after, after work is just difficult. So my clubs are still back in Auburn and anytime we go back to Auburn, try to make it a, a point to let's go play 18 at some point during this week and let's go hit the course. See, I always forget that about you is because we talk so much about uniform stuff together. I forget that you've got this, you know, history and this, you know, Ability, I guess I'll say. I've never seen you play, so I'm just going to believe you when you say that you've got a nice golf swing. I don't have a good golf swing, but uh, I mean, I, hey, I tried to get you to do an E2C Network tournament with just the squad, and you're <laughs> always too scared to to pick up the sticks, bro. 
Listen, if you had seen when I took golf class at Auburn, what I did to that course, I don't even remember what course it was. Then you would probably be like, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's not, uh, it's not something that I need to be doing to golf courses. <laughs> All right. Enough about me though. Uh, we got a good, I think basis of where you kind of come from, obviously in the Huntsville area and you're now in Jacksonville, but you spent some time at Auburn as well, which we'll get to. Um, but what's life as an Auburn fan like in the that Huntsville Meridianville region? Is it is it even Auburn Alabama? Is it another no. fan base in there? What's that like? <laughs> is it even? No, not at all. <laughs> oh man, I mean, we were the token Auburn fans. We, you know, there were maybe a handful of, of us per class. Um, you know, Huntsville as a as a whole is incredibly special in terms of that Auburn Alabama relationship. You have a you know rocket scientists that work out at NASA are a dime a dozen and they're probably 90% Auburn grads. So that's always really fun. But when you get towards the part that I grew up and then even more so into where my high school was, um, it's it's all country. It's you know my my high school was surrounded by cotton on all four sides. And um, you just, I mean, it's probably 75, 25 Alabama fans and maybe 80% of those Alabama fans have one, never been to Tuscaloosa and two, (laughs) could not locate Tuscaloosa on the map. So, you know, and I just, I had a lot of friends growing up that were so annoyed by that, wondering like, why did they, why do all these people pull for that team? like guys it's just the easy choice Mm -hmm. if you come from out of state i mean it's true when they say that you are required to pick sides the second you come into the state and you know if you're given that opportunity why would you pick auburn because it's nobody knows what auburn is or where it is you just pick the state name it's easy that's the one thing that you actually know so we had a lot of those kind of fans growing up and uh yeah, uh, a sovereign fan stuck together, and uh, it was really easy during the uh, the Shula era to just enjoy it. Um, <laughs> it was a lot of fun during the 2010 season to enjoy it, and thankfully, I graduated in spring of 2012, and my freshman year at Auburn was the 2012 season, so I didn't have to deal with that with those people. Um, but yeah, we had fun. We we survived. <laughs> We we rubbed it in their faces. Uh, One of my, uh, I always like to tell this story. I think it was seventh grade. It was about 2006 season. I went to two games that year and it was the Arkansas game and the Georgia game. And that's the Arkansas game in which a certain Gus Malzahn as offensive coordinator just went off with the fit. What was it? The fish play Mm -hmm. stuffed the running back right behind the the O-line and Man, that one that one was just wild. But get back to school, and I have been making so much fun of Alabama. How can you lose to Arkansas? Arkansas is trash. How can you lose to these teams? Y'all, Alabama's just bad. And I get back after that Georgia game, and one of my friends sits right next to me, and she gets up on her desk, leans over, and gets in my face, and just screams, "Who's the loser now?" <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was hilarious. I love looking back at that. I don't know if she would even remember that story, but yeah, those are the kind of people that I grew up with. 
Well, it sounds like it's typical of a lot of places where you grew up where the, the tendency always is to lean towards Alabama. And I like the way you set that up. I mean, it makes sense. Easy why choice. It is. But, you know, I think what you also said is very important as well. Why would you choose Auburn? And those that figure out the why, they're the ones that really Absolutely. understand what it means to be part of the Auburn family. So that I think that's a very important statement that not many bodies brought up on this series yet that I think, you know, when you said it, it's kind of sounds like, oh, that sounds like a slight towards Auburn. But no, but if you can figure out that why, you're in. Yeah. I mean, again, as, as if you're presented with that life or death question without any opportunity to research it or to figure it out, you're probably going to go with them with the larger crowd and fit in. And it's the easy choice. And like you said, if you, those who pick Auburn, there's a reason you picked Auburn. Absolutely. And I think, you know, oftentimes too, you're going to get me go. Look, see, now you're going to get me going on all these like, you know, nostalgic <laughs> things, all these feelings about Auburn. I always equate the Auburn story. If you want the quintessential Auburn story, it's the story of Pat Sullivan and Shug Jordan. And you, if you don't under, know that story, you need to go look it up. I'm not going to take the time. You, you, can, you can go listen to any half dozen episodes on this network and you'll hear that story straight from kyle's mouth <laughs> live streams on youtube as well i will <laughs> preach like i mean literally people are screaming stop talking about the story of pat sullivan and Shug jordan but it is i, I was about to myself <laughs> it, it is the quintessential auburn story and it tells us who we are and why we are all right enough about the general auburn story more about you um what i'm picking up here and what i know about you personally but just for the listener's sake from the get-go it sounds like there was no other choice other than auburn is that correct Absolutely. My, my parents will be the first to tell you that uh, I went to my first Auburn game in the womb. My, <laughs> my parents get seats in the upper deck and don't know why they did that. But my mother, I don't know, six months pregnant, five months pregnant with me. They had to basically convince the security guards to let her use the elevator. And uh, so yeah, I, I don't know what game that was. Some some point in 1993, but yeah, uh, that was my first game officially. <laughs> I, I have, I'm sure you've had a lot of guys, a lot of people on this sh- uh, series that can remember their first game to it. Mm-hmm. And there's a little jealousy in that from me because I don't remember it. I was probably a toddler. I was probably one, if not nice. just nine months old when I went to my first game out of the womb. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I have no recollection of, of those kind of memories. And, and we would go, we went to one game pretty much every year for the longest time. And then, you know, when I got to Auburn as a student was finally able to go to more than at best two games. Right. Well, and I think that's a, a story for a lot of people. I can speak to that myself. You know, there was the we got to do this one time a year with, as a family and go right. out there. So it almost, in a sense, was like a mini vacation because you made a special event of it. You went and saw these certain group, groups of people that you may never see except at Auburn. And so, like when you said, I, I don't know when exactly my first game Auburn was. I, I tend to agree with that. I, rem, I can remember the first Auburn game I remember being at. But I remember flashes of memories that weren't even related to the football field, the stadium of being on campus, you know, around a game day and stuff like that, that I know were probably earlier than that. So the story of Auburn goes much deeper than just football or even sports in general. It's about what we do because of Auburn, what we do and who we do Auburn with, if that is an interesting way of putting it there. Um, 
But all that being said, from the get-go, Clint Richardson. Now, I got is was there any family dynamic? Do, how, how's that work in in your intermediate family? Is there any Alabama influences, other influences? What you got? Yeah. So my mom, my both my parents grew up as Auburn fans. My mom, kind of more so, uh, in spite of the Bammers and her family. Um, so she was always the odd one out when it came to this game. Um, and her brother and her sister and their families are still the Alabama fans in the family. And thankfully when you combine both sides, they're well outnumbered. Uh, on my dad's side, his mom graduated from API in 1953 ish. Um, his dad also went to Auburn but he, he my, so my grandfather is a golden gopher, came from Minnesota, got to Auburn. And I, I want to say he was a grad teacher, grad student of some sorts. And that's where he met my grandmother. And then uh, my dad's the youngest of four. He's got three older sisters and uh, two of them went to, graduated from Auburn. My dad attended Auburn until his dad passed away, uh, probably 86 or so. And, and then we actually were just talking about this recently since my brother just graduated. Um, my dad said that his, his mom and dad, every single one of their grandchildren had graduated from Auburn university. Mm. And I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So it's seven, eight of us that have done so. So yeah, there there was no other option when I when I applied for schools, I only applied for Auburn. <laughs> I had again going back to the high school ridicule. I had so many people asking me like, "What are, what are you going to do if you don't get into Auburn?" I was like, "I'm getting into Auburn." It's no or other option I, out there. <laughs> or if I don't, I'm still just going to move down to Auburn and spend four years down there, and then I spent five. But that's for later in the story. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Auburn was the only choice. I. You know, when you when you take the ACT, you have to pick like three schools to send your scores to. And I think I think we sent them to Auburn, Vanderbilt and Marshall, just because, you know, I would consider Marshall my second or third team. That is odd. I I just I had no desire to go anywhere else. Auburn is the only place that I ever thought of. I didn't even tour Auburn because as an incoming freshman, I could have given the tour. See now, I'm I'm imagining myself uh, on the tour I took, where I was getting dirty looks from the tour guide because I was correcting oh, yeah. them on anything. Oh, yeah. Man, you don't know how bad I had to bite my tongue when I walk around campus and see that stuff. You, uh, you and I are, are probably those people that would get in trouble <laughs> if we because we'd be correcting everybody else on the tours when we were there and just kind of mm-hmm. um, actually. I, sir. I think I had to. Cr- I think I corrected my Camp Orito counselor oh, at least man. once. I think I did. It's like, how, how about you just let me take this over? Come on, I got this. Ah. You know? <laughs> this is bad when I haven't gotten here and I know more than you. Anyway, well, uh, I'm glad that obviously you've got this uh, obviously great affinity within your family uh, for Auburn. But obviously we all have those little certain family members that uh, infect to a certain <laughs> extent uh, our family dynamic with their Alabama-ness. Uh, but, uh, you know, we love them in spite of their failures. We all have sinned, right? You know, and <laughs> can't, wow. uh, we, we, nobody can be perfect. Um, but uh, how, how was the, the family dynamic? Did it ever get testy, you know, in terms of like, you know, Auburn and Alabama with those family members? Or, or was it always just in good fun? 
no, I mean, nothing, nothing terrible. There were never any, any punches thrown or anything. It was, you know, more so just the frustrating family dynamics of it. You know, we would always try to meet up with that side of the family for Thanksgiving and Christmas. So those few years that they moved the Iron Bowl to the Friday of mm-hmm. Thanksgiving was really awkward because <laughs> we didn't have two days buffer until the game. It was tomorrow and we had to get our <laughs> smack talk in. So you know, I, I honestly don't miss that. <laughs> but yeah, well, they, you know, we don't, our, our family get togethers are usually very casual. So we'll rock the, the Tiger Rads uh, score shirts after the Iron Bowl to Christmas. We'll rock our, our orange and blue and, and then their other terrible colors, you know, with with no guilt whatsoever. See, I love it that way, you know, just having shameless fun at that point, you know, because I think that's where it needs to be. We can jaw at each other. We can have fun with each other. And obviously some people tend to take it a little too far. Sometimes Alabama fans take it too far with themselves. Not even going to reference the story <laughs> a couple of years back where it got a little fatal, unfortunately, because someone wasn't upset yeah, enough yeah, about that, a football game. That's, that's every week, bro. That is every week in certain parts of the Alabama fan nation. But enough of that. Uh, what are some other memories or things, even games or something like that, before you got to Auburn that you remember growing up? Uh, I, I believe we went to a 2004 game. Uh, I remember 2004 is really the first year that I truly followed the team. So I was probably about 10 at that point. Um, maybe it was 2006, took one of our old neighbors to a game and he had his family from Illinois. So he had no affinity to either school, but when he was forced to pick, he went the wrong way. So we took him to an Auburn game. I think it was Auburn Ball State. And right after, right after the Eagle fly, my dad leans over to me to him and says, can your elephant do that? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and ever since then he he pledged his Auburn fandom he and his two siblings all have since graduated from Auburn University and I, I take a I take pride in that win right there yes um went to a couple of games in 2010 actually went to the SEC championship game in 2010 um you know, when, when the SEC network started coming out, it's kind of when I got really into all Auburn athletics. And I remember before that only watching the SEC baseball tournament. And that's the only games of the year we were able to see in North Alabama. Uh, when Auburn opened up the arena in, for the 2010-11 season, we, for Christmas, we got tickets to the game. It was, um, it was the first game after Christmas break, probably like January 2nd or 3rd. It was against Florida State. And Auburn was not very good. You, you, we won't say that coach's name on this series, but <laughs> um, we knew we weren't very good. So we joked, we're only taking this trip to see the, to see the arena. We're here to see the facility and nothing more. And, and then we won the game. Well, you know, I, I would – be remiss if I didn't try to get you stirred up with revealing that certain coach's name, but uh, no, I think I'll refrain. <laughs> All right. Well, tell us when you actually arrived at Auburn as a student, uh, how did that go? You know, just your first impressions stepping onto campus as an official Auburn student. Uh, yeah. Uh, move in was difficult. Uh, I had never been away from home 
never went to church camp or anything. So move in day one was difficult, but we, my, my roommate and I ended up walking around campus a little bit and came across some other friends from high school who had just moved in. And uh, we actually walked into Beardy's Memorial Coliseum and uh, we're walking down one of the side tunnels and uh, we come up to a door with a window that faces the, uh, the court and there's somebody walking towards us like, run, we got to go. We're not allowed <laughs> to be here. <laughs> uh, you know, now I learn years later that nobody would have cared that we were there. Nobody would have asked questions, but that's just kind of the mentality that we had in high school. Um, <clears throat> kind of a little stricter in some areas of that sense. Um, and then right after that, we're walking back to the hill and get stopped by the football team walking into Jordan-Hare for practice. And it's like, I was just starstruck. I was like, oh my gosh, it's the football team. Like, I've never seen them before. Um, yeah, living on campus was was a trip. Let me tell you, it was, uh, that was different. But um, yeah, definitely always loved just walking around campus and spending time on campus. And uh, I always say that the Auburn Arena is my favorite place on campus. And I would just forget the library. I go to the arena to study. <laughs> There's anything, I can imagine if there's you. if there's anything else you need to know about me, it's that. I can imagine you know young younger Clint because you're still young, uh, walking into the arena, into the little Hall of Fame section, and just like stopping at each one of those little cases with the uniforms in them, and just uh, analyzing. I wish, I every wish bit. you wouldn't have brought that up. Uh, well, okay. Now since I've I've opened that wound, why don't you talk about it? <laughs> I mean, yes. When when the when the Hall of Honor was opened in the arena, I loved it. It was so cool. It had everything in it you wanted. And then I learned of the previous Hall of Fame that used to be housed at the athletic department, how it was so much better and had so much more stuff in it. And I mean, I, I have sent, I sent emails probably as early as 2013, 2014 to the athletic department about the disarray of the Hall of Honor and how it's, so poorly upkept and that I would do it for no charge. And I would, <laughs> you know, it's just, there's things that have fallen. There are things misplaced. There are things mislabeled. The, the big display TV center where you can play highlights and stuff, it doesn't even work anymore. And it hasn't for years. Uh, it hasn't been updated in years. They actually had to replace the glass ac across the, the lockers because they broke. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's, they have a few trophies encased in there. And one of which is like the first Iron Bowl trophy. And it's this decorative uh, metal ball, uh, cup. And it's fallen off its pedestal. And it's just laying in the bottom of the, of the enclosure. And it has been for six plus years now. And it drives me nuts. <laughs> so it sounds like we need to get Clint hired as the curator for this museum. <laughs> and I would die for it. So you never walked, uh, walked foot into the other one, right? No, never went. Oh, Clint. And, I mean, and unfortunately, there aren't many photos that have uh, survived. There are very few of what used to be over there. And, of course, I've seen the, the wax figures of uh, Suge and Pat and Frank and Bo, but it's like, it just, and I wish I had the opportunity to go in there. Now, I think there were some wax in there, but I think there was at least one animatronic in there, too. I believe there was. I may be wrong on that, 
but I, I remember you could go up and push these little buttons and, you know, play oh, yeah. certain scenes of, you know, like obviously they were having a discussion out in the field. It was Suge and Pat and things like that. There was always a cutout of the coach, the, the current football coach. And I always remember walking up and realizing how short Tommy Tuberville was when I would go in there <laughs> and then how short Gene Chizik was because it was supposed to be life size. I was like, you know, you think these football coaches are just big guys, you know, tall guys, but some of them weren't. Uh, in fact, I think their tallest we've had in recent history was Gus Malzahn and even taller when he wore his straw hat. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I think I it's all it. in storage. So hopefully one day Auburn can find the, the time and money and resources to actually build a quality Hall of Fame again because it's 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 so needed. I do what I will say about what I love about the current iteration is that glass case for all the different sports. I wish it was expanded. Yes, but the fact that everything is now represented there because when you went into the the Hall of Fame, it was and it, and it always will be. I mean, we're not you know dumb about this. Football and basketball and to some extent baseball as well are always going to be the bread and butter. Um, but you know there is great history with every aspect and there's there's so much history in every sport like you said but there's also history in the sports that no longer exist yep you know there are so many people that are amazed to learn that auburn had a championship quality wrestling team in the 80s and uh, we had a polo team in the 30s and and all that kind of stuff and it's it's just forgotten about. And that's one thing I learned as my from my time at Auburn as a student and then through the Auburn Uniform Database is that Auburn loves to tout history, but Auburn also doesn't know its own history there. And that's just sad. You know, we always <clears throat> perpetuate the same few stories about the War Eagle story, where that came from, where the, the tumor oak trees came from, where how that history started and, you know, those kind of things. And, and they're just, there's too many at this point to even know what was correct. And there's no point in perpetuating those stories. You know, the, the one example that I usually go to is years ago, Kenny Chesney came and did a concert inside Jordan Hare Stadium. And it was promoted and touted as the first time ever. And it wasn't, it was like the fifth time. And <laughs> You know, you had, there were just all these names that these big time names, um, I think um, Lionel Richie, maybe, but quality Hall of Fame like names that had performed at Jordan Hare Stadium. And then the most recent one before Kenny Chesney was the Beach Boys in 2000. And there's just no reason that 15 years or so should allow the university to just kind of forget its history. Those moments should not be forgotten. Those should be recorded and remembered and and reflected upon. Like at some point, and that's that, that's another. You've already got me on that. I, I'm just sitting back at this point, letting you go. So. Uh. <laughs> well, how about this? Let's before I get you going further into an, uh, that soapbox, standing up even taller. Um, tell me a little bit about what you had planned to study and what you finished with at Auburn Academic oh, Wise. <laughs> So I, I originally applied to Auburn to study mechanical engineering. Okay, I had no clue about this. There's no, I'm, I'm sorry. you, Clint, I love you. You're not an engineer. You're just not. I'm sorry. Oh, man. <laughs> I, well, here, let me, I'll explain the whole story for you, Kyle. I was always big into 
NASCAR, obviously into the golf industry. And, you know, a few years before I got into Auburn, uh, one of my, my all-time favorite TV show was released, Storm Chasers on Discovery. And I thought that engineering degree could get me into any of those three worlds. I can go work in NASCAR. I can go work on these cars. I can go work on R&D or something in that sense. I could work in the golf industry. Again, the same thing. Can build clubs, can research clubs. I loved aerodynamics as a, you know, theoretically. And I thought this would be fun. And then also into the storm chasing, prevention, researching world. And then I realized I'm not a researcher. <laughs> I, I am not a... I don't like math. I'm not good at math. And but let me let me stop you real quick. You're a researcher in a different sense about not about history and stuff like that, you know. But yes. like math, not a, not a numerical. That, I am not a numerical researcher. There you go. <laughs> and so we're we're at Camp War Eagle, and um, was was underprepared for what was about to unfold. So you know we stayed. It was, we, I think I was like the second or third to last session of the year. So it's mid, late June. It is hot as ever. And we probably walked around day one for like eight to 10 hours in 95 degree heat. It was miserably hot. So that night we got room, we got bumped up into the, the quad dorms and I forgot blankets mm-hmm. and I have to sleep right by the uh, by the AC unit, and I froze my butt off. I probably woke up with a little bit of a cold that next morning, and again, it's it's hot as ever. So, day two, we're split into our different colleges to build our schedules and to meet the dean, meet some professors, do all this kind of stuff. So, I'm sitting in Brown Hall for the engineering school, and this I think he was the dean at the time is talking about all the different math classes that you're going to take as a student. And he's, you know, rattling off like calculus four and eight and 12. It's like, and I barely passed AP calculus in, in high school. I don't, don't take me down that road. So we all had our name on our badge. And then they sent the counselors around to, to kind of help, help you fit in and, and pick out some classes. So this lady comes around I'm probably the second or third person she sees. And she looks at my name. She says, Richardson, your score. And she's she's looking at her at her list of all of us and our our math, what was it, our math entrance exams that we had to take over the summer that I don't think Auburn does anymore, thankfully. And she looks at my name, she says, Richardson, your scores are ew. Those Uh are bad. (laughs) So so Again, I had just I had just finished AP Calculus. The entirety of this test was like seventh grade algebra, and I hadn't done that in years. And you had two opportunities to take it. And I think I did worse the second time I did. And then after I taped the test, I find out that everybody else that I've ever met and everybody else that I know is going to Auburn did it as a group project. They all did it together. And I was like, you know, I try to do it the right way and I get screwed over. <laughs> <laughs> so she basically belittled me right then and there. And I decided I was no longer going to be in engineering. But unfortunately, I was still technically an engineering student. So 
trying to figure out what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go and all that kind of stuff was the biggest pain in the butt my first semester at all. And then I finally said, screw it. We'll just go to business. We'll do marketing. <laughs> we'll do that. And then I stayed. And uh, four and a half years later, graduated with a, a business degree. Well, you know, and I think a lot of people hear that because it's something I've heard before on this series. You know, I, I started one thing. I think I've even heard this. Because I started with engineering, couldn't not necessarily cut it, but it just wasn't my forte. And I just went to business because that just seemed like the wise thing to do. But I think this, you know, Auburn's got a great business school and there well, are many the, aspects the stat, of that. The stat that we were given at uh, Camp Regal was that this average student at Auburn changes their major seven times. My goodness. I don't I feel better that. now. I don't buy that at all because not one person I ever met in my five years had changed it more than three. So I don't know how you get to seven, but maybe it was just a little white lie they said to make us and our parents feel better. Well, maybe it's because so many people go thinking they can get in and handle Auburn's engineering program. I mean, that is one of the marquee programs of this university. You know, it you've is. Got engineering, but would you do it vet. seven times? No, no, no. <laughs> But I, I know I can, I'm thinking of five people right now, include, you know, not even including you that I know changed um, from engineering to something else. And, and ironically, a lot of those are, you know, engineering to business. <laughs> well, thankfully, the business school building was right next door to mm -hmm. uh, Shelby in the engineering hall. So it's, it's like they knew something and were preparing <laughs> for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was such a mess because as a freshman engineering student you are supposed to take like engineering 101 thousand 1000 whatever it was and it was an introduction class and they would take you around the entire engineering part of the campus introduce you to different professors and different aspects of the school and kind of showcase what some potential jobs you can have are well when i decided right then and there that i wasn't going to be an engineering student i didn't take that class so <clears throat> It's like November and everybody's talking about the classes that they're taking that semester. And I was scared out of my mind. It's like, when were we supposed to do that? So I met with one of my teachers and he was incredibly helpful. And he sent me back to Shelby and I walk in to go meet with one of the counselors and the engineering department kind of has like a two part uh, counseling service. So to say they would, send a student advisor to come and talk to you in the lobby. And then you, if you basically passed them and got approval from them, you would go and meet with your actual academic advisor. And I'm sitting out there and the guy who was trying to work with me, he just doesn't care. He doesn't care that I'm a stupid freshman that doesn't know what I'm trying to do. And <laughs> I'm not taking your classes. And the guy beside me is talking about taking calculus three four and five in the same semester my goodness so i finally go and talk to my advisor and she was the sweetest person i've ever met in my life she was amazing i told her like look i feel stupid sitting out of here she says you're not stupid honey <laughs> and I, I i felt bad transferring out of the school of engineering only because of her wow well, I mean, at least, you know, it ended on a good note in terms of like, you know, you feeling like you were valued in there by somebody, maybe not the student advisor, but at least the actual <laughs> advisor. Uh, but I, I would say personally, just knowing you now, you ended up 
obviously where you're supposed to be. Could um, you imagine me as an engineer, Kyle? Yeah, Clint, Clint, <laughs> if you were an engineer, I would make sure I was 1,000 miles away from any building, any any Ouch. locomotive, Ouch. anything that you could conceive as an engineer, I would make sure I do not touch it, Clint, because you would worry more about the aesthetics of it than the actual functionality of it. And I say that with all the love in the world. That hurts. That really hurts. And again, I think I'm on the wrong side of the, the intro now. <laughs> hey, Auburn fans, I want to take a quick time out from this episode to bring your attention to something very special. Here at the E2C Network, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best content for Auburn fans out there. And best of all, it's free to you. But just because it's free doesn't mean there aren't costs, especially when you have a library of hundreds of podcasts, videos, blogs, and more. Many of you have reached out and asked how you can support this network in the past. Well, now I have your answer. It's called the E2C Network Booster Club over at patreon.com slash E2C Network. There you'll find a membership monthly reward system where you can sign up for as little as $1 and get different perks at different tiers. Some of those perks include things such as apparel, eligibility to join us on future podcasts, recognition as an E2C network booster, exclusive communications, and bonus content that is available nowhere else. If you love this network and want to help us keep producing podcasts like this one, please head on over to patreon.com slash E2C network to join the E2C network booster club. You can also get there by going to our website, E2Cnetwork.com slash support. Whether you decide to join or not, we are still so appreciative that you would support us by just listening and being here because each and every one of you is part of our E2C network family. Well, that's it. Timeout's over. Let's get back into the episode. Okay, at Auburn, I know we, we've got a lot to get to with you, and this is you know one of those cases where I feel like we almost might have to do a part two someday. Oh, but geez. are we lagging on? No, no, no. I just I, there's so much with your story I already know about you personally that I'm trying to like get into this episode. Um, but I do want to ask you know some other things about campus life for you. Did you get involved with any organizations, or what, <laughs> what else did you do other than sports uh, attendance uh, that you might have done? <laughs> Uh, well, sport attendance was number one. Of but course, it was. It was still kind of slow. Like, uh, I man, freshman year was just such a trip. Uh, I slept through my ticket order for football, so I didn't get to buy tickets directly from the university. So I had to play the black market game that you can no longer play anymore, and I had to buy tickets for me and my roommate because <laughs> going alone. It's just no fun. <clears throat> and and I had to drag him and some other friends to all these games. And then we went to basketball games and uh, just fell in love with sitting front row at the arena. And even though I lived at the Hill, literally right across the street from Plains and Park, I only went to one baseball game. <laughs> and you're such a and, big baseball fan. Now. That's yeah, the craziest you thing. You wouldn't know that now. But um, yeah, we tried to hit everything. We went to a few softball games because um, so the second semester I started going to FCA started diving into uh, the fellowship of Christian athletes. And cause I had been a member in high school and it just wasn't as formal as I had hoped it would be. So I went to the Auburn chapter and it was just light years different than what I had in high school and met a lot of really good friends through four and a half years with FCA and <clears throat> had friends on, just about every sport. So of course 
went to go support them uh, individually. And um, that kind of pulled me back into attending more sports and building friendships with these guys who went to the sports. And uh, so we did a lot of that. Um, <clears throat> went to the Avi committee once or twice, and I'm still getting emails for that. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. I was SCA going to sports and then maybe my junior year or so, um, Auburn athletics got a new marketing director and she approached a couple of us who had kind of stood out as the top basketball fans. And we created the Auburn jungle student section leadership team. And uh, we were able to have some input on what the jungle would look like. And so, you know, one of her first big purchases was the big fear, the jungle banner. And we got to, that was, that was my duty for two or three years was to go get that thing and bring it out and, and stash it away and then get back in, in line for tip off. And so, yeah, we, we did a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, those are, that's pretty much my involvement on campus at that point. Well, I'm glad you brought the leadership team aspect. And if you hadn't brought it up, I would have too, because that was honestly one of the coolest things that I remember since when we got to met about you is that I just thought it was the coolest thing ever that you're part of the jungle leadership team. Like, like I didn't know you could do this. Like I, I wanted to do this when I was on campus, but I didn't know there was a way for me to do that. And I, I do remember you allowed me as a graduate when I somehow by certain means got into the student section still <laughs> you you let me come in there and carry the sign don't, down with you don't, guys don't rat on yourself i'm but, just saying look they all you know, know what it, happens it does and we needed help we needed five or six people every game to do it and when we have to go into the tunnel to grab it at i don't know six minutes before tip-off and we get to we have to watch all the pregame stuff, the introductions, the hype videos that I am from away from our seat. And then we have to run and put it back under the tunnel and let some poor intern fold it back up. We, we would miss tip off very often. And I had a lot of guys who would help us and they're like, I don't want to do this anymore. This is not the best part of it. So when, when we knew that we had some dependable people like you down there who could help us and, you know, I, I think I probably pitched it to you as a once in a lifetime opportunity and you accepted it. Of course. So, <laughs> of course. so, so yeah, that's, I, I just needed you. I just needed an extra person and you were, you were just there. Well, so. thanks for making me feel special. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, seriously. Like I'm, I'm not kidding when I say this, like that was like the coolest thing to me. Cause yes, I'm there for the game, but I'm all about the inner workings of stuff. Like that is something so simple that I got to be a part of that I always remember. And, you know, I did right. it once or twice with you guys. And I was like, oh, man, I got to carry the banner in and out. I got to be at the bottom <laughs> shaking the thing. And, you know, I was like, I'm like, look, Mom, I'm down there at the bottom of the banner. Can't see my face, but that's my legs. So, Yes, uh, yes. And I, I wish that it was more formal when we were there. You know, we had a meeting with Bruce and the team before one of the uh, – one of the seasons. And unfortunately I had to miss that meeting because I had a night test. So I got, I got to the meeting right as coach and, and the team players were leaving. So yeah, that was sad, but can't always be good things, you know, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm appreciative of what, what you were involved in with there and you had a very well rounded Auburn experience that I'm sure we'll have to just dive into on a, on a much thorough level on the next time that we get on this episode, because we have got to talk about, 
Auburn aesthetics. Well, we put this Boy. off long enough. And the question I have for you is, obviously, as the creator of the Auburn Uniform Database, was it Auburn athlete, or aesthetics originally that got you interested in that? Or was it just, were you always a guy that noticed logos and noticed colors and schemes and stuff like that? Like, was that more of your story? Or was it strictly Auburn stuff? Uh, kind of a little bit of both. So, you know, again, I mentioned earlier that I was big into NASCAR growing up and, uh, play, you know, I, I had a GameCube growing up. So we had the NASCAR games, we had the Madden games, we had the NCAA football games. And the first thing my brother and I always did when we got one of those games was go to the creative team, go to the creative car, paint a car, whatever it was, and, and just play with all the different settings and see how far we could take it. And, you know, because the creative teams were always all 99s across the board and they were just so good, we would honestly just go in and create Auburn and create it to a T design-wise and and then just go and play as Auburn and beat the crap out of the real Auburn. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I just, I always loved the different paint schemes um, for the race cars, uh, collected a lot of the diecast cars and could kind of tell you at what race and what season each car had been run based off of a few different decals on it. And um, then, you know, then I found a website called UniWatch and uh, Paul Lucas had been writing for ESPN and on their old page two section. And that was a, that was a website that I checked every day. And then when I would see Paul's name pop up every few weeks, I would just kind of like, binge read through uniwatch.com and realized that this was a thing Like people cared about how something looks. It's not just thrown together at the last minute kind of thing. And, and I saw people just doing all sorts of research projects when it came to uniforms and aesthetics and logos and stuff like that. So um, I always seem to have kind of a random summer project after, uh, you know, after going out to Auburn. So when I would be back home in Huntsville, I was like, I just need something to do. So that first year, the summer of 2013, I started the Auburn Uniform Database, but it was actually the Auburn Basketball Uniform Database because, you know, again, talking about poor history and poor archive of Auburn history, there were so many different uniforms that the basketball team wore between the late nineties and the early two thousands that I had no idea what year any of these photos were from. And I kind of wanted to figure that out. I wanted to put together a complete history of the Auburn basketball uniforms. And because it was just a summer project, it died off real quickly, but I already had the site. I enjoyed writing. I enjoyed the research of it. I enjoyed playing around on Photoshop and it just kind of expanded from there. Um, I saw somebody during the 2013 football season, I saw somebody post on Twitter. um, Is this the longest that Auburn has gone without wearing the white uniforms? Because if you remember, Auburn had like six, seven home games in a row Mm -hmm. and we played at LSU. So of course we wore the Navy jerseys and it wasn't until like November late October, early November, when Auburn traveled out to Texas A&M. And that was the first time they wore the white jerseys. And so that just sent me on this very deep research hole of 
let me go and find every time Auburn wore white the first time in the season. And I went back to the 80s and was able to find it, you know, within a day or two. I was like, this is fun. Like, I enjoy this. And so I wrote an article about it. It did well. It got picked up a few places. And and then I was stuck. <laughs> and uh, it just expanded from there. And now today, you see what it is. It's, you know, the website has crossed over a million lifetime views. There are um, uniforms. I think there's almost 200 years worth of uniforms between football, baseball, men's basketball, women's basketball. But Clint, the thing that sticks out most to me from how this whole thing began is that it started with basketball uniforms. You know, when you think of Auburn uniforms and when you think of just Auburn sports, everybody goes to football first. But the fact that it started with basketball uniforms is just interesting to me because it's just not something that I would think people would focus on. You know, and, and I'm glad that you, you talked about how, you know, the 2013 season, the whole long jersey, how long we were wearing the blue jerseys, was it the longest streak and getting that question on Twitter and how this all started. But uh, that I think that just goes to speak how unique this perspective you take on Auburn aesthetics is and Auburn uniforms because you cover the gamut of everything. I mean, you do softball, you do baseball, you've done soccer, you've done cheerleading, you've done, I mean, is there anything that you haven't done that you'd like to do? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I would love to have every single sport cataloged fully. And, and it's difficult because, <clears throat> of course, I, I don't know the first thing about a swimsuit for swimming and diving. And I don't really want to uh, <laughs> broach <obsess>. that subject. <laughs> I don't really want to obsess over um, tiny speedos, but. Um, but you will if you have to. <laughs> if I have to. Um, our, our good friend, Auburn Elvis, has asked me about equestrian uniforms, and I don't have a clue about that one. Um, and then you get into, like, golf and um, track and field, and those are so, you know, individualized that it's kind of hard to have a uniform. Right. And, you know, a, a white polo and khaki shorts, like, that's, that's not interesting. Right. <laughs> so, um, but the one that I'm really struggling over how to work through is gymnastics. Is these, these ladies have a, basically a new leotard every single night. And it's hard to find pictures, especially on um, road meets. It's hard to find pictures that showcase the entirety of it. Um, <clears throat> the cut of each leotard is kind of different sometimes there's the the back is open sometimes it's a you know it's a crew neck that is almost like a choker sometimes there's a little bit more of a scoop neck on it and man the hardest thing in the world is trying to replicate rhinestones on <laughs> uh, on photoshop and i don't enjoy that part of it at all but if i can figure out how to do that a little bit easier gymnastics would definitely be the next team to be added to the site yeah, and it's just funny to me how much you have like grown already, and you know the fact that you're even thinking about diving into that world of gymnastics in terms of <laughs> collecting and curating all that content. But that's I think that's the cool and unique nature of what you're doing is these little nuances that we obviously see as Auburn fans, but we don't appreciate because someone didn't take the time to point out to us. <laughs> And I think that's why this is such an important, uh, you know, I'll go further. I don't have a word to come into mind, but project, but uh, life goal or life calling uh, that you have uh, to document 
and talk about the history of this, but also what's going on now and keep that record going forward. It's an important aspect that I think obviously people have come to appreciate mainly because of you, but I think you've also found a market and a, and a corner of the Auburn family aspect that's always been there that no one's just tapped into it enough. Right. And so I, I hope that people appreciate that. Yeah, I, I do too. And, and, you know, like you mentioned, trying to kind of write the record, so to speak. Um, you know, the reason I didn't do football off the bat was because everybody knows what the football uniform is or, or so I thought, um, nobody really knew what basketball uniforms looked like in the past and nobody really seemed to care. So that's, that's why basketball was the first sport to be covered. And then I started doing more digging and people want to talk to me about certain aspects of what they like or dislike about the uniforms. And there was always this story that kept getting brought up every now and then about the orange jerseys from Ben Barfield's time. <laughs> and, you know, love them or hate them, it doesn't really matter to me. We're here to discover and discuss the facts of what happened and, and what they were worn. And so many people would say, Auburn never won a game in orange. Never bring them back. Or the last time they wore them, Auburn got blown out. And you know, just a couple of years ago, I wrote the article about the truth about the orange jerseys. I was just kind of tired of that misrepresentation of what they were. Like, if you're going to talk about this stuff, let's stop factually. Let's not misremember key details of these stories. And I found out, you know, I, I have just about every single Auburn football game documented dating back into the 1930s. And I have proof of a photo of what they wore and everything. And I learned that Auburn never won in orange is not true. Auburn was, what were they? I think they were two, three, and one overall in the orange jerseys under Barfield. And the last time they wore them, they did not get blown out. They tied or they, they lost by 10 to Herschel Walker and the eventual national champion Georgia Bulldog team. And there was never a terrible loss in them. There were a few decent wins in them, but those kind of stories. And even when I published it, people were still coming to me and telling me those same stories. Like that's, that's not true. Like I had the truth for you, read it. And, and that's kind of where the, the site is right now, just dispelling these common myths that continue to plague Auburn at different times you know the people say that the Auburn football uniform has never changed well it, it hasn't changed much since 1966 but have you noticed the the template of the jersey have you noticed the uh the back of the helmet you know in the the late 90s and early 2000s there were a ton of different uh placements for the American flag decal the conference decal the SEC patch the the NCAA decal on the helmet, all that kind of stuff was just so different. And again, people, it was just forgotten about. And that's fine. Nobody, there were just nobody really wanted to know what it was, but I did. And I'm <laughs> going to tell you why. <laughs> but see, here's where the, the rub is between me and Clint. I am a nostalgia person, but I am also a traditionalist. 
Clint is open to interpretations of uniforms and different conceptualizations and differences of what we currently do in terms of obviously football uniforms and other things. I am not. <laughs> I want things to stay the same. Where are you I, going with this? <laughs> I don't want them to change. This is what I'm talking about, the not-so-good things that I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast. Ouch. <laughs> where I struggle because I love what Clint does because I, as I've already said, it is an extremely valuable thing that needs to be done for the Auburn family. But the more he talks about it, the more people want to see these things of the, of the past that never should have happened, <laughs> like orange jerseys. So stop it, Clint. <laughs> stop hey, it now. Hey. Shug wore orange jerseys as a player and as a coach. Does that make it any better for you? I know. I I just everybody wants to blame Barfield and the one thing Barfield ever did is what I want permanent. And that's the the beautiful orange face mask, but I know you'll kill me on that one. So. Oh gosh, no. Okay. Look, this we're not we're not gonna hash this out on this episode. That's another day. You know, we we've had other ridiculous episodes on this network, the top chicken places. Nice. You know, now we're gonna have to debate all of these what can we change colors up now? Um, but if you enjoy that type of content, especially not Clint doesn't, he also, uh, aside from just documenting the history and, and obviously the current history of Auburn uniforms, but he'll go back and talk about some of these unique aspects. So if you're not checking out his website, auburnuniforms.com, you need to, if you're not following him on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you need to, I'm trying to get him on YouTube folks. Uh, we just had a conversation <laughs> about this now. So he is doing some great work. So if you're not following him, stop what you're doing right now and hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you can find him on. Check out his website because you, you really do need to appreciate what he's doing because he spends a lot of time and effort doing something that I think I don't think people will appreciate it to the level that they're doing. And there are ways to support you as well in your endeavors, Clint, if you want to share those real quick. Uh, yeah, so obviously the best ways to always support are just reading and sharing and liking anything that's posted. But you can always visit auburnuniforms.com slash support and see a few different things. You can buy an AUD t-shirt. You can shop Fanatics and buy any shirt, any anything you want of your favorite teams, Auburn or not. Uh, portion, if you shop through my link, a portion will get back to me. And also you can donate directly to the work that I do with buy me a coffee. Yeah, those are some real easy things that you can do. And, and he uh, very much needs those just to continue to make this uh, something that he can sustain and do and go forward and continue to do this. Cause I know he'll do it regardless in some capacity, but if you want to see this project become even more than that, you can help by doing that simply by sharing his stuff, simply by going and checking it out and, you know, letting the friend know, hey, check out this article about these stupid orange face masks that Kyle hates so much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll have to pencil in the orange face mask debate. Yes. We'll do that sometime. There'll be many debates in, you know, in, in the future. Real quick, though, I want us to talk about our history very briefly. And, and we've talked about this on previous episodes. If you've not following the, the main feed and everything where Clint's on uh, at whenever he can be, uh, we'll talk about this more in great detail. But I think you and I got connected in late 2000, or no, maybe mid 2013 uh, about some, what was the topic on the podcast that you first came on about? Oh man, I don't even remember. I think it was just the general, let's talk about Auburn athletics. And, and somehow 
somehow we got off on topic on the stirrups talk oh that's what it was that's what i was looking for because i hated the stirrups on the baseball players and then we got into a debate about that (laughs) it went from there and uh you know things just led down a road to where one day uh we had clint on a couple of times actually because we used to do a main show where we tried to do every aspect of auburn athletics on one show which was stupid i agree that was stupid i know don't have to tell me but um ben ben and tristan now are like hearing this and screaming at me kyle we tried to tell you it doesn't matter it's over um but finally you know we broke out into this network concept because of Clint Richardson because I I reached out to him because I knew he loved basketball as, as much as I did. And I said, you know, I'm throwing around this idea. Would you want to co-host with me a trial run on a spinoff show called In- E2C Inside the Jungle? And uh, what Clint, what possessed you to say yes? Pete's me. <laughs> but the beauty of this is, is that you and I chronicled the very beginning of the Bruce Pearl era. How lucky were we to watch the rise of the fall, the, the doldrums of Auburn basketball and the rise to the final four. That was incredible for us to do. Yeah. It, it was a wild adventure. And, you know, I think maybe that's what encouraged me to say yes to you for some reason was I was tired of seeing lackluster basketball under the, the old guy. So, uh, yeah, I think it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, I unfortunately didn't get to make it to Bruce's uh, landing at the airport, but I was there when his show cause penalty showed uh, cleaned up at the arena. And man, we, we had a lot of fun talking about Bruce. Gosh, it just, it couldn't have been better timing because I mean, we had this idea and it just meshed perfectly with Bruce's arrival here. And there was so much excitement and obviously it culminated. We, we worked through those frustrating, you know, first couple of seasons and, they they were frustrating at times, but we kind of both saw the writing on the wall. I, I don't think you and I pre- would have expected a Final Four run in that fourth year, but my goodness, I mean, we knew something good was coming, and uh, I love doing it in the audio format. So you can obviously go back into the archives of the main feed of the E2C Network if you want to just um, – I think we started with the Texas Tech game of Bruce Pearl in his first year all the way up to the Final Four. Clint was my co-host on Inside the Jungle uh, for, for most of that until Drew Hooper stepped in. And now we have Gray Oldenburg. Uh, you know, Clint's just so busy trying to make me mad about, this, you know, getting the uniforms changed now that he doesn't have time to be on my podcast all the time anymore. <laughs> but, hey, don't, uh, ha- don't twist my mission. I'm not here to change anything. I know, I know. This is just my little thing that I have, my little bone I had to pick with you about all that stuff. But anyway, uh, yes, so he's been a a mainsteer on the network, and we'll obviously have him on as much as he wants to be here because we love talking about this aspect of Auburn Athletics. He also was a co-host of of Inch Hitchcock Hecklers, the baseball show with Chandler Fullman. Bless you for doing that. Like, I mean, (laughs) the fact that we put you with Chandler and you still did it for a couple of seasons was a miracle in and of itself. Honestly, be be honest, who was more difficult to be a co-host with, me or Chandler? You. I was more difficult. How on earth was I more difficult than Chandler Fullman? Because you just disagree with everything. Well, of course, because that's my job. I have to generate conversation. Sometimes I just disagree to disagree. Ch- Chandler was difficult to schedule. <laughs> You're not wrong. I can't tell you how many times we did an 11 o'clock Eastern recording with him in his truck. I know, because you know how many times I got midnight recordings from you all? That was... Yep. 
<sighs> Interesting. <laughs> anyway, we love you, Chandler Fullman. We're just giving you a hard time. But Clint's obviously had, uh, you know, a big part of this history. I've already mentioned uh, his efforts into creating our logo uh, and creating a lot of our branding that we stuck with to this day. Uh, so if you're not appreciative of what he does for Auburn uniforms and aesthetics alone, you, if you're a fan of this network, you can appreciate what his influence has been. And I am obviously very appreciative as well as hard of a time as I give him at times. It's only because <laughs> I like him that I pick on him so much. Is it? Yeah. Well, somewhat, you know. You can ask Jessica about that. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> if anybody knows anything about, you know, I kid because I care, it's your wife. <laughs> Absolutely, she does. All right. Speaking of which, a quick plug. If you want to listen to Jessica's Auburn Roots, you can do on episode 10. She has a pretty good one on there, and she does dog on me a little bit there. So if you enjoy that type of stuff, husband getting that's, beat up on her, verbally by his wife. <laughs> You can check that out. All right. We have talked a lot. And as I've already said, Clint, you know, we didn't even touch on a lot of the stuff that we could with you. So maybe we'll have to do this again in the future, like a part two. Um, But uh, I do want us to kind of round out our discussion today with my not so rapid fire, rapid fire questions uh, about Auburn stuff. A lot of this or that pick this, your favorite, all these kind of things. And then maybe a little bit of explanation of why you pick that. So if you're ready, we'll jump into it. I'll, I will try to be as rapid as anybody you've ever had on the show. Oh, it's never rapid. That's why I had to change the name. So <laughs> it would not be any more appropriate for this to be the first question of our conversation. Orange or blue. Orange or blue. Which one is it? Uh, I, I've been prepping for this one and I still don't have an answer, but I'm going to just go with orange. Why? It's louder. Okay. But you're not a loud person, so that's kind of odd to me. Like, you're like the the non definition. Well, I'll take that back. You're loud on Twitter. <laughs> you're loud in a good way. You're you're loud in a good way because your voice needs to be heard. But um, you know, usually I hear it's too loud for Orange. Do you agree with that? It can be in the wrong settings, but I I like I like rocking an orange T-shirt. I like rocking an orange hat. Um, I like orange. It stands out a little bit. I, I wear all three colors, but I like I like orange at times. All right, let's do question two. Obby or War Eagle? <clears throat> Dang it, Kyle. Uh, give me the eagle. There, there's nothing like seeing the eagle fly. Now, how are you going to explain that to your best friend, Obby? I love Obby. It's like, I don't really know how to approach this statement. I'm just going like, to Kyle, stop talking about it. I'm ashamed that I picked the word. <laughs> All right. Question three. Your favorite part of the Auburn fight song, a word, a phrase, a line. What's your favorite part of the fight song? Favorite part of the Auburn fight song? Mm-hmm. Strike out the band, I think. I'm actually surprised that you picked that line of the fight song for your favorite because I thought it would have been orange and blue. Because with your you know, affinity for aesthetics, I thought it would have been all about the colors. Nah. Too simple. It is too simple. You too know, predictable. I, well, <laughs> just, I think you just did it just to spite me. Uh, of course. Of course. Of course. That's just what well, that done. I said I was prepping, but that was the one question I wasn't expecting. So that's on me. <laughs> All right. Your uh, question four, your favorite Auburn athletics program? Baseball. Okay. But see, here's the funny thing is we talked mainly about basketball and football, but yet baseball is your favorite. We didn't even get to that. This is what I'm talking about. We have to do another show where you can just talk about your love for baseball. Uh, people, people always ask, you know, what are your favorite sports to attend? And baseball is number one. Basketball is number two. Um, football, maybe three or four, honestly. Um, 
So what's the third if it if it falls to fourth? Uh, uh, those college, women's college world series. Oh uh, uh, yeah, team those softball teams, 2015, 2016. Those probably would actually rank number one. But um, yeah, just I, I always tell people like at baseball, my voice will be heard. <laughs> at at basketball. I can affect the game. I've pissed off opponents so many times. I got flicked off and cussed out so many times. It's so much fun. But at football, I'm one of almost 90,000 people. My voice doesn't add anything. Yeah. I, I personally have no effect on that game. I am just a spectator. And, you know, then when you add in the whole, you know, just <clears throat> this, what's the word I'm looking for? <clears throat> the whole hassle of going to a football game almost outweighs the enjoyment of it almost not quite at times you know again 2012 was my freshman season so we could walk in at any set you know at the last second and get in 2013 was a different story where student gates opened two hours prior to the kick to kickoff and we had to get in line two hours before that and then it (laughs) took two hours to get home you know a mile down the road so it's just it's an all day affair, whereas basketball is at most three hours. Um, baseball is kind of easy to get in and out of and just sit back and enjoy the day. So, yeah, football as a as a viewing experience is is just it's not it's not great. <laughs> well, there you go. He's all about the aesthetics, even just of the gameplay and the experience outside of it, not just colors <laughs> and designs and things. I didn't think we'd break it down that way. Uh, question five, your favorite Auburn athlete. All of them. Uh, uh-uh, uh, no, I'm not going to let you get away with that. You got to pick one. If I who's picked one favorite? Auburn athlete, who's my favorite Auburn athlete, oh. man, I, it's, it's going to be a little bit of the recency effect, but Casey Mize, Casey Mize, that's a, it's a new one. We've ha- haven't had you know, before, you know, I mean, of course it's Bo, it's Pat, it's Terry, it's Timmy, it's, it's it's everybody like right it's so hard to pick a favorite you know i was i I loved watching frankie sullivan chris denson alan payne josh wallace those guys were were buddies at that time and uh, i just loved watching them play but yeah i think i think casey reigns up there right now well casey's kind of like the beginning of a new wave of auburn baseball i feel like uh, yeah. of players that are coming in. So he, he, he marks something special. And I think sometimes that's why we hold an affinity for those types of players, but I'm glad you picked and, that one. And I, I could list, I could list favorite players forever. You know, yeah. Judd, Judd Ward, uh, Keegan Thompson, um, yeah. <laughs> Courtney Shea. Yeah. Um, Victoria Draper. Uh, yeah, I, I could name players all day long. Yeah, well, we won't do that because, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's that's just going to be a 60-minute episode in a few weeks of just naming Auburn athletes. I think It's that basically, well. you're the count of like like Sesame Street. You're just, you know, <laughs> counting every Auburn player at that point. Hey, I'm down for Courtney that. Courtney Shea, ah, ah, ah. Bo Jackson, ah, ah, ah. All right. Didn't think I'd do that this episode, but here we are. Oh my gosh! Um, all right, please, please put that in a blooper reel or something. <laughs> so I'll leave that one in there for posterity. Uh, question six: Your favorite Auburn coach? Butch. I was about to say, if you do Easy. not pick Butch Thompson, I'm going to be ashamed. <clears throat> and I, I feel like I always have to defend those kind of answers. I loved Gus Malzahn. I love Bruce Pearl, but there are few people 
in this world like Butch Thompson. Just the most genuine, nicest guy in the world. And and I, I love him and I love that family. They are good people and they are good definitions of Auburn men and women, that family. Question seven, your favorite non-athletics Auburn person. So for clarification, it can be family, it can be friends, it can be a professor, a somebody you just met somewhere. But when I think of Auburn outside of athletics, I think of this as my Auburn person. Oh, man. Every time you would ask this question, I would just, I would think of all the people that I like to use as just trivia of. Did you know Jimmy Buffett went to Auburn? Did you know that Lionel Richie is from the Auburn area? Yeah. And all that kind of stuff. But I don't have an answer to this one. I mean, you could just say me. I mean, that's like, you know, the give me the answer. <laughs> I'm going to just go Tim Cook. Okay. It's, you know, it's like the and standard even, like celebrity answer. Don't even use Apple products. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> but it's just like the big name out there that's like not not it's like a non-athletics person you know i mean it doesn't get much bigger than apple these days i mean basically we're all i know you're not but most of us are holding some type of apple product hey, hey it, tim if you're hearing this one you can sponsor me <laughs> I'll, I'll move over if you sponsor me i don't know that you're gonna database, win the Auburn uniform database has been all built on microsoft uh or windows stuff and i can definitely use some some assistance at times. But since Tim was an afterthought for you, I don't know that you're going to win him over Ouch. with this segment. <laughs> well, in my defense, there are so many amazing Auburn people to pick mm -hmm. from. Mm -hmm. Trying to dig yourself out of that hole, I see. <laughs> All right, I won't press him too much further into the hole. Question eight, your favorite Auburn building? Uh, the arena. Not shocked at that whatsoever, as much as we <laughs> talked about it, except for that uh, Hall of Fame. <laughs> Uh, the the arena i know sanford's always a top one but i think i think in the historic aspect of Auburn, it's definitely hargus hargus is such an underrated building nobody ever talks about it hargus mm -hmm. is gorgeous it gets it gets just forgotten about and everything else that's out there you know it's just it's a little bit more love needs to be handed over there question nine your favorite auburn place to eat oh sushi bistro really yes have you ever been? We'll no. Have to we'll have to take you next time we're both in Auburn. But Sushi Bistro is uh, on Moore's Mill Road. And uh, it's a fam Japanese family-owned restaurant. And they have the best teriyaki chicken bowl. Clint, I thought you were going to say the Mama Goldberg's on Thatch. No. That, that no longer it exists. It doesn't exist anymore. But no, no. Mom... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you'll kill me or somebody listening will kill me, but I like mamas, but it's overrated. Oh no, Clint. And we're done. I can't even finish this questionnaire with you. <laughs> Good. And we're out of we're here done. in two hours flat. <laughs> All right. Question 10, your favorite Auburn tradition, a sports one or a non-sports one, or even just an obscure personal one that you have, but your favorite Auburn tradition. Favorite tradition. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> It's always easy to go with those standard <laughs> obvious ones, but <laughs> uh, I mean, you know that I treasure all of Auburn's traditions from the Eagle flight to Tiger walk to, to everything. Um, man, I, I can give me. you one that I have an appreciation more for now because of you. Because of me. Okay. Tell me four corners. Oh, four corners is a good one. That is but the I one that I, I associate I with you. I, 
you would have to associate that with my wife. Well, of course. She got me into that one, but y'all are like um, my proxy together. So it's like, you're, you know, <laughs> one flesh and all that jazz. <laughs> Man, I, you're killing me. I want to throw in some of our, our section 111 heckles um, that are always fun, but I, I think this one's going to keep me up tonight. Um, I think I'll just go with the Eagle flight. There's nothing like seeing those Eagles fly. The, the fact that I know now that I'm going to be in your head all night keeping you awake <laughs> is the greatest treasure that I've ever received. Oh my gosh. Am I finally on the good side of this intro now? Uh, don't get you. No, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Here. <laughs> Question 11, your favorite Auburn memory. When I think of Auburn, I think of this memory. I mean, all of them. <laughs> no, you got to give me something. <laughs> oh man, Kyle. <laughs> I mean, I proposed in Auburn. I we got married in Auburn. Um, man, that's the one I was going to go with for you because I watched your proposal on the webcam. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I did. You couldn't see much, but I'm glad you did. I, Clint, you know, you just. You, I don't know what this sounds bad, but you stick out, buddy. I don't know. What, I mean, you were dressed up nicely that day, so it's not like you were wearing your usual Auburn garb. But like, you know, I, I just I know Clint Richardson. <laughs> I mean, the qualifier of dress nicely is just without a hat. That's what it takes for me. And I think that's why I do it. I was like, I was like, oh look, there's a guy whose ha- his hair is so flat it could have not never had a hat. <laughs> Who's that dude with the big old head? <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I'll just go, I'll just go with the proposal. I, I would think that was a safe bet for you. If you not, if you want to sleep tonight on your bed, that would be probably the good one to pick she's, right she's there. She's staring me down too. Uh, I, I know she is. That's why I'm trying to, I'm, literally, I'm throwing you a lifeline and you're not grasping it, man. I can only do so much. Uh, we'll talk about what the real one is later when she's not there. Anyway. All right. Your final question tonight. I want you to describe Auburn to me in one word other than family. Home. I was going to go aesthetic, but. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't have been shocked. It would have been the fitting answer, but no, Auburn is home. It, it is. And it's just, you know, it's it's home for us, whether you actually live there or not. It's about the feeling that you get when you get in. I know you recognize that from our many conversations over the years. Uh, home is, you know, where your heart is to be, you know, like just cliche but you know i think all of our hearts in some extent lie in auburn and we always kind of leave a piece of it there and that's why we come back to it uh so obviously you're a little bit lucky you've got family now that lives there so you've got an excuse to go back more than most of us Uh, but uh you know home is is a great answer for that but uh buddy it has been fun sitting down with you talking about your story a little bit getting to know you i learned a few extra things i didn't know about you (laughs) Some I didn't want to know, but <laughs> uh, uh, I, I hope that this doesn't jeopardize me from ever getting a job with the engineering department one day. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. We could probably pull some strings or, and, and work around this, that, that part of it. But uh, I hope everybody else has gotten an appreciation for Clint. You know, obviously I, I know everybody tuned to this to learn a little bit about the uniform database and his love of all that type of aspect. But I, I hope you appreciate the guy too and the person and his history and his Auburn story. And just like I tell everybody else, Clint even said this to me, I don't want to do this because, well, not, not, it's not that he didn't want to do this, he just didn't think his story was worthy. And it is. Everyone's is story it, is worthy. Is it, it is. It is, Clint. You started a website about Auburn uniforms. How is that not worthy? 
Okay, we've almost gone two hours. I think that says a lot. Okay, there you go. And we still can probably talk about much more. So we'll do that on another episode. But I do want to close out this portion of your Auburn story in this episode of Auburn Roots. Clint, one more time, plug where they can find you. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at ClintAU24. You can follow the Auburn Uniform Database on Instagram and Facebook at Auburn Uniforms. And also be sure to check out the website at AuburnUniforms.com. Thank you all for tuning in this episode of Auburn Roots. We'll be back again to tell another Auburn story in the next episode. Until we talk to you again, War Eagle. War Eagle.